I said peace in Swahili. This is Obasi here. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in to part one of our podcast episode, Wait a Minute, I'm Black. I break down racial identity and awareness. I just want to give you all a quick caveat for our part two of that part one episode. <laughs> um, wait a minute, I'm Black. Uh, there's some static feedback from time to time on this part two. Um, and I just want to make sure that you all know about that. But by and large, you can listen to the entirety of the audio hear it quite clearly um stay tuned ashe i think he's alone at the stage of uh let's see here where we are we've mm-hmm. gone to encounter uh, i think he's at the fourth stage where we get into internalization and then it gets into the true personality identifications that uh, everybody falls into in terms of individual brackets of how one constitutes their black mm-hmm. racial identity model because a black identity disposition because blackness is not a monolith of course uh, mm-hmm. it can show up in a multitude of ways uh, blackness is a uh, multifarious to use a word um, just means is a a fun term for a lot of different ways, you know, so it's multifarious, but the oneness and and the unity of blackness, which is most important and unity does not denote that we agree a hundred percent, but unity denotes that in spite of our differences, we see the similarities as being the the one dynamic that spearheads the importance of our closeness, which being our experiences, Mm -hmm. our our culture and and our our, our immediate uh, realities that we endure that um, where we have issues of discrimination and we also have, you know, the closeness of our traditions and our values and the things that make us concretely right. who we are. Yeah. yeah. You know, so th- those are, those are the things that um, are got important. You, you. I think those are some of the things he's, he's, he's uh, kind of grappling with uh, as it pertains to uh, those mm-hmm those dynamics uh but i don't i don't want to get too uh off because uh, jay-z i know when we start talking about jay-z we probably we start yeah. talking more about class oh, yeah. and race i'm trying to keep because i have so many different um identities that um that shape who you are as an individual so uh but uh we're on yeah the immersion immersion this is this is where let's see uh uh immersion immersion is where you come somewhat anti-white and you get deeply immersed in blackness mm-hmm. and Afrocentricity. Um, it's staying for European Americans. It's basically where you get into this intense mm-hmm. stage of black involvement. Um, some degree, it could be a, a romanticism mm-hmm. of being African. Uh, and you can also become reactionary, meaning regardless of you know what the situation is, as long as it's something that's racially driven uh, or racially motivated in such a way to where it's it's going to provoke you or trigger you or antagonize you in some way you're just immediately reactionary as opposed to thinking and being more methodical and really analyzing the situation and how it relates to you and your black experience mm-hmm. and i personally can relate to that um i've iso- i've isolated through several of these stages um as i've become more familiar with my my African history to changing my mm-hmm. name to Obasi Yahi Mamori, um, to um, embracing more African roots and um, 
and embracing right. the African spiritual system. Um, I, and looking at the history of uh, white terrorism effect on black people, um, I, I have had moments where I did hate mm-hmm. black people. I know that's been a big, a big, it's a very interesting uh, stage that we all go through when we come into consciousness. <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. I think, I think um, being conscious and being black in America. Uh, it constitutes that you're yes. almost angry all the time. To uh, right, loosely yes. paraphrase James Baldwin, mm-hmm. the, the great ancestor, um, and I think um, at different stages you will hate white people. I think that's an inevitability. The more that you continuously get confronted with uh, uh, with hate, uh, with the threat of danger and mm-hmm. the, the laws and the unfairness, you have those. But by and large, I don't hate white people. Um, any longer, by and large, I just see them as a, a territorial enemy to a degree that's um, in the in the way in impeding the success of Black people, and it's necessary to try to come to some type of uh, modus vivendi. Mm-hmm. Uh, modus vivendi is an arrangement of bring to get along, even if we don't share values and we can be intensely right. contentious towards one another. So I think it's there we have some type of silent or a very overt uh, modus vivendi that allows us to come to peace with one another, another in such a way to where we don't have to right. dwell in the same space all the time, but we have an underlying respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then now, I, I, I'll be honest with you, bro. It does take it. It, it for I know for me, it took it took a little minute to get get out of that stage. And I think one of the one of the biggest things was is like mm-hmm. I just had to come like just had to have an honest conversation with me. So you know. If you have this, like, I think the hatred is very, very close to fear. I think, I think it's just, I think it's, it's almost like it's the, uh, I had a friend of mine that said this the other day. He said, um, it's like the opposite of love, but it's not on the, it's not on the same, like at the very end of where fear is, like between love and fear, there's no hatred. I think it's just like the opposite of love. Because if you didn't care for it at all, you wouldn't pay it any any attention. <laughs> like you know, what I'm saying if you if you really like, if it was really really, you know, something that you that you hated, you know, or something that you something that you even feared, you would you know try to do your best to eradicate yourself or remove yourself from that particular thing in which you in which you fear. It would it almost become you know paralyzing at this point. I think a lot of how we feel about about them and when i say them i mean meaning white people it's simply just a matter of uh we're reacting <laughs> to all of this new information that we received about ourselves and then how it correlates to the information we receive about them right. and the reality that we live in of things that they're still doing their attitudes feelings thoughts and behaviors all of these things are still are ever present and we have to constantly navigate that and the navigation through that right. is it just put places a strain on the black mind and you know, you start looking at people different. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep living like this. Like this is, like this is not, this is not right. This doesn't feel great <laughs> at all. You know, I don't want to have to wake up with this pressure every single day. And you know, I feel like I got stones on my feet trying to just walk in a world that you built off of me. <laughs> and yeah, and now, and now I have to right. survive and make the best of this situation that you. I have to play the cards that you've dealt. And I know I didn't get the chance to deal these cards to myself. Right. I think that will uh, conjure up a bit of hatred and animosity from from any of us. 
and I think and I think that can come through in any of the stages, whether you're unconsciously unaware or whether you're consciously aware. Anywhere between that, I think I think it pops up at any given moment. Some people do feel like that. They just may not, you know, they may not always articulate it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, exactly. Um, and that goes back to mm-hmm. that level of awareness that you have. Are you uh, consciously unaware or are you consciously aware or are you at the highest level, the zenith, the, the apex, if you will, mm-hmm. being unconsciously aware? So you can actually give breath to the the lungs of those feelings and mm-hmm. those thoughts and those energies that you carry that weigh on you in some type of traumatic way, some type of uh, palpable mm-hmm. or uh, visceral way that has a, a detailed uh, impact and indelible imprint on your life in the way that you see the world as right. a black person of African descent. You know, so you know, for the viewers out there that are listening. I know if you see my my Facebook post, there is that misconception of thinking I hate white people. Now I'm at a I'm at a stage in a place where, by and large, I I, I don't hate white people. Um, I'm more so focusing on black people. And the times I do focus on white people is because there's times where they've been an impediment to black success. Um, but I, I don't center my worldview on white people, and I, I don't even try to uh, really mm-hmm. give them as much uh, credence at, uh, or merit um, in times that where um, it's not necessary. Uh, but you know, it's white people I get along with, and you know, it's white people I don't get along with. Uh, but in general, right? You know, I'm all about my people. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with with black mm-hmm. people. I don't have white friends. Um, uh, there's no white people that I profess to, you know, mm-hmm. to have love for in that type of way, um, you know, and I don't have hate hatred towards them. It's just right. my focus is on my people. Um, but I, I'm, but just like anybody else, I know how to be hospitable and I know how to be cordial <clears throat> and I know how to have that baseline level of respect and, and operating from a, a meiotic uh uh perspective and mm-hmm. law that you know I'm looking for harmony and balance. So I don't seek. I don't seek confrontation or I don't seek contention between myself and white people. I- uh, let's see where we on the uh, emergent, emergent. And so, and then you get to a final stage of um, a, a final mm-hmm. stage of peace and tranquility because there's this internalization um, and there's a few stages, subcategories and cultures, but not uh, subcategories um uh, that classify the different identities that mm-hmm. your internalization can manifest into. Mm-hmm. And the first one being Afrocentricity. Afrocentricity is the belief that one's life should be guided by Afrocentric uh, principles. Um, and I have here, mm-hmm. and uh, Justin, you won't have this on your notes, but um, I have here yep. a different sets of, uh, hold on for a second. I have here different sets of principles that are within the, the Afrocentric uh, view. And I think it's important that people, uh, our people have an understanding of what is this Afrocentric or Afrocentric worldview? What, what does it consist of? What's this content? So as it relates to worldview, Afrocentric worldview is defined as values, beliefs, and assumptions that are reflective mm-hmm. of traditional African values experienced by persons of African descent. Um, and also you have some holistic dimensions of an Afrocentric worldview. 
one being spirituality, the belief in an omnipresence or greater force with the emphasis of spirituality over materialism. And then you have collectivism. Um, that's discussing how we're interrelated, um, interconnections, and uh, the importance of our mm -hmm. culture and your, your intercultural um, relationships and bonds and connections. Um, not, a be, not being about the individual, but being about the group and how that will affect the individuals because the individuals right. are representations of the group dynamic. There's no brand that, you know, um, opposed to uh, dichotomous to the Eurocentric perspective in which uh, individualism is, is staple. There's no branch that you'll find on the forest floor that grows mm -hmm. in isolation. All branches that are plentiful grow in congruence with its roots. That's a, that's a bar. Um, so I like that one. <laughs> that's just like an example of showing. Right. That's the example example of showing the difference, the dichotomy between between Eurocentrism and Afrocentrism. Um, and then you have time orientation: how time, past, present, and future are all interrelated. They're not segmented. Um, that's why you have the likes of, you know, white people, even black people who will say, well, that was back then. Slavery was 400 years ago, mm -hmm. as if you can segment the past and then you have a present that is completely detached and untethered from the effects, the compound residual effects of such a extended and protracted period Absolutely. of time of institutional enslavement mm -hmm. um, so for profit. And you have orality, uh, oral communication. Uh, the importance of uh, truisms and parables carried through oral uh, orality. And then you have the sensitivity to effects uh, and emotional cues. That's basically talking about emotional intelligence, being sensitive and in tune with the emotional needs and feelings of others that are reflected in verbal and nonverbal behaviors. Verb and rhythm emphasizes creativity, balance and harmony with nature, which is recognizing the need to have balance between individuals' mental, mm -hmm. physical, and spiritual state. Um, and one should always be in harmony with nature. So that is what you can conceptualize as what is an Afrocentric uh, or gotcha. be Afrocentric. And so mm -hmm. then the next category is bicultural, is when you're invested in both African-American and at least one other cultural identity. So you could be cool with having a coalition between Black people and people mm -hmm. of the like the Latino community or the Asian community. Um, and then another identity of internalization is racial mm -hmm. slash uh, ethnic multiculturalism is when you accept yourself combined with the appreciation and respect for other marginalized groups. And that's basically the quote unquote um, people of color uh, that that whole that whole entire stick, you know, where it's just like because we have shared discriminatory experiences, then that inherently means that we have an allegiance or a false hmm. sense of loyalty, which isn't necessarily true. Um, that can happen right. on a, a very macro level, individual mm -hmm. to individual or subculture to subculture. However, on a collective, massive macro level, very rarely do you see coalition of Asians, obviously, and Africans at this particular moment when the Asians, uh, they value the relationship of the multicultural relationship, the respect for Black people when they are at the, the end point mm -hmm. of being uh, consumers to their products and services, but where it seems like Black people can be to a disadvantage uh, or if they can be something that could be uh, 
not a liability, but a, not an asset, but a liability, then they start to try to untether themselves from blackness, as you can see, mm. kicking black people out of uh, China, evicting uh, them from their apartments, and not right. you know allowing them to go into restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, due to xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you know, that's just my take on it. Multiculturalism, I think, it can operate in small spaces on a on a macro level. But as far as a macro level, I haven't seen it as being something that is a fruitful two way street, but more so a fruitful one way street. Meaning, it's fruitful and plentiful on other ethnic groups that claim to be a minority status, and they take advantage of those minority luxuries. Whereas Black people kind of left holding the back, and they don't benefit any from from the struggles and the plights that right. they've had to try to. Yeah. Achieve and I think. What we tend to do when we align ourselves and, you know, this this idea of multiculturalism and we, you know, we are not to just align ourselves and our principles. We align ourselves with, their, with the struggles of others who've never had to do endure even a fraction of what we had to endure. I think a lot. I said the, the people that we align ourselves Say with cultures again. and people <laughs> and groups who've who, although have oppressive experiences, have never had to endure the level of oppression that we've had to endure. And not a right, not even yeah, not even a little bit. And, not a fraction. And the mo- and I think in doing so, we we sort of over time as it plays out, always, almost always, we've our issues uh, become less and less important. Our our issues are put on the back burner. Our issues and the things that are important or should be important to us are practically diluted. Because we, we, you know, it's it's about them now. You know, we we've right. done that before. We tried that in, in during the civil rights era. We aligned ourselves with other people's struggles. It just further pushed us pushed us back. We we became integrated, and upon becoming integration, it's it's just my theory that integration is just a, another way of many ways to sort of mask and hide the continued oppression that we were still facing. So that a, like a corporation will say we do not dim- discriminate based on race, religion, gender, what have you. But if they discriminate, they can always go back and say, well, we, we wrote it in the, book, in the book. So it wasn't about race, then what was it about? It was something else. It wasn't about religion. It was about something. Right. It was about something else. Right. It wasn't about se- sexual orientation. It was about something else. And it's that's the case with when it comes to us as black people. Uh, um, a police officer feared for his life. Oh, it wasn't about the race. He was He was afraid. Okay. Then okay, what was he afraid of? You see what I'm saying? Like right. it was just like, well, it was dark that night. It was there was the threat. Right. They start hiding things in the language. We've inter- this is the the, the, right. the type of thinking and the mentality that we've right. integrated into, where they can, you know, it's like you know, uh, just dilute everything that is supposed to be important because if it gets us closer to uh, equity and fairness. Then we get further and further, like we get not further, but we get closer and closer to liberation and independence. They know that. They know they know the bridges that need to be built <laughs> in order for that for that to happen, and they're going to continue to uh, halt that process at, at at any given chance that they that they have. They, they will they will grab hold of the opportunity and ensure that we do not get to that point of liberation. Right. Exactly. No, no, come yeah. on, man. I, I try, man. I try, man. I try, man. I try. I, I, you know, I ain't got, I ain't got the, I ain't got the vocab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's the content, man. It's the fruitfulness of what you said, yes, man. The sustenance, man, and that's, that's what we need. Um, 
Let's see. And in this land's identity, you have inclusive multiculturalism, which is the self-acceptance combined with the appreciation mm-hmm. of and respect for all social groups. So basically mm. uh, integration is alliance where not only are you interested in working alongside other quote unquote minority groups who are affected adversely mm-hmm. by uh, racism and discrimination. You also want to work in correlation mm-hmm. with um, white people. Which um, right. is not necessarily my cup of tea, um, but for certain black people, depending on your identity and your identity right. is in close inclusive multiculturalism, you know, that that's that's your thing. And, and that's your area of interest. But me as an Afrocentric or Afrocentric uh, personality, I may I won't groove or get along necessarily or understand the perspective of someone who's inclusive, multicultural. And it's important that we know these identities so we understand the discrepancy and we understand the chasm of how we communicate or the or the things that are being translated and understood mm-hmm. from another person's vantage point. Because I'm Afrocentric, I see certain things that's not going to be revealed by someone who's a biculturalist or someone who's multicultural, racial multicultural, or somebody right. who's multicultural, inclusive of all. And me being Afrocentric and Pan-Africanist, I'm someone who who only has an mm-hmm. interest in working with Black people of African descent because I, I want us to have an understanding of the importance of self, and that's what that's what Pan-Africanism is: the importance of self and working alongside self and allegiance with self without the interference of any other group. And how can we practice multiculturalism if we don't even practice monoculturalism? Monoculturalism being solely centered in uh, having a comprehensive mm-hmm. understanding of one's cultural values. And we're so far from we're so far removed from our own culture and African culture and roots that we shouldn't even have the time to be dealing with uh, allegiance or alliances with other groups who have some semblance of some of the issues we have, but as far as the historical context, mm-hmm. the experiences and the culture, it is not the same. And they have their own issues that they have to tend to just as we have our own, but we're so busy mm-hmm. helping others or inviting others to help us, but they don't necessarily share our same values or like some white people or organizations, like we don't want to say right. it, but the NAACP was started by a white person. Right. And so and that has an implication mm-hmm. when you have a white face, the head of a black organization. And, and it can be uh, somewhat um, jeopardized in some way uh, if we don't have black people, not only black mm-hmm. people aesthetically, but having an Afrocentric consciousness that aligns with Absolutely. African realities and experiences. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't I was almost I was almost going to say I, I don't feel comfortable around because i feel i feel comfortable everywhere i'm at but i would i would prefer to be around mm. our people uh, the, the, uh, i would prefer to be around our people who looking to understand why we need to hang why we need to kick it together <laughs> like like they, they 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 get it you know what i'm saying there's no there's no vitriol no animosity just you know don't want to be around us that at least that okay we're on the path of understanding something you know like we yeah, I, I would i would much rather work in those spaces where i'm helping and servicing us you know like because we, we speak of 
we speak a, a language even upon like it's like initial contact with somebody. We don't even have to know their name, no, 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 anything about them. But there's just this nonverbal communication. There's this a feeling, you know. It's like you know we the way we shake each other's hands is just is different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, and I think and I think when you when you try to the the further you assimilate into this world into this culture uh and the further you get away from you know actually seeing the value in your africanness and your in your culture the you 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 lose sight of that and like why would you want to live in a world where you you're not like the the brief a brief interaction is is few and few you almost it's, it's almost to the point where you forget and you're going to raise a gener you run the risk of raising a, another generation of children black kids who don't know who they are, who, you know, interacting with each other is going to be foreign. Just simply like dapping each other up is going to be a foreign idea to us. And I'm like, yo, this is something we've been, we've been doing this for forever. How do you not know this? <laughs> like, I've never, I've never seen Friday. Like, I, like what? Right. Yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be around, I don't want to be around just any type of person, but right. at least, you know, some people that actually get it, I would rather, mm. I'd much rather work in those spaces. I'd rather just sit down and have those conversations with our people. Um, when we talk about issues, I, I'd rather communicate right. and speak to our people about these issues because I've, I've been in spaces where we talked about us and, you know, uh, Lily White, you know, wants to interject and say, well, I totally understand. Like, no, you totally do not. Don't say totally around me. Stop it. <laughs> you don't totally understand, baby girl. <laughs> like, yeah, nah, nah, just park it somewhere else. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> right. and and you know to categorize what you're saying or to, and to characterize what you're saying rather white explaining mm -hmm. you know where white people need to be centered mm -hmm. and black people need to be on the margins in such a way and they get to occupy occupy a black space mm -hmm. and dominate and dictate the nature of the flow of the conversation and became they become the domain of what's to be discussed and the importance of what's to be discussed or is to be filtrated mm -hmm. to through their lenses and through their experiences. And the things you were talking about, about the loss of a cultural consciousness and the, the idiosyncrasies of our culture and the things that make us black, what you're discussing is a, a worldview, uh, values, traditions, and precepts, um, music, uh, attire, language and religion or spirituality in my case um, these things are things that tie us to our ethnic group and our uh, ethnicity um, I th and think something we we didn't really get mm -hmm. to touch on this there's so many uh, ideologies and paradigms but I want to kind of cross over this right. um, as we try to shut this part one gotcha. down and then we get to a part two at a, at a later date but um mm -hmm. right here we have four perspectives of personality ethnic identity the diffuse state meaning non-committal to identity and not exploring. Some black people are non-committal to their black identity because it's just simply not that important to them in comparison to all the other identical, uh, all the other identity characteristics yeah. or things that shape their personality. And then you have the foreclosed status, narrow and fully committed mm -hmm. identity based off influence without self-exploration, which basically meaning you're dealing with introjected ideals, meaning ideals mm -hmm. that have been uh, inculcated into your gotcha. psyche without you consciously being aware of it. So being at a stage where you're consciously unaware, I don't even know 
the ideals that I've been inculcated with or I've been indoctrinated with, but yet they uh, they have a cunt, they have a um, casual influence and imprint on the way you show up in the world, mm-hmm. your pathology and how you interact and respond with others. Um, and then you have people who are at a moratorium status. They are actively exploring mm-hmm. ethnic identity, but has not committed to an identity. <clears throat> You know, so some of these things kind of correlate with the, the aggressive model. And then the final stage is achieve status, those who have explored their ethnic identity and have committed to our identity. And that would be um, tantamount to the internalization stage mm-hmm. where you come to a final understanding of your ethnic identity and what that looks like and, what's the, and what that means to you. Whereas the diffuse state would be in, in lockstep with the pre-encounter state, your non-committal, uh, you, you don't really have an identity that's um, in correlation with right. blackness or association with blackness um, and so on and so forth. Um, just kind of skimming through some of this. Um, let's see. And we didn't get a chance to really touch on this in, in correlation with the, mm-hmm. the Negressus model uh, imperialism, uh, which could affect one's view um, at different stages probably particularly mm. the immersion and emersion because that's where you kind of are anti-white and you're so immersed um, and you're so inundated with blackness. So this is probably where this is most applicable. Imper- imperialism, the dominance group aimed to erase the minorities group consciousness where you experience the mm-hmm. potentially the process of attempting to erase blackness. That's where you get to the point where you're probably somewhere in between being uh, consciously aware and unconsciously aware where you can just pick up, you can, you can indicate and determine that mm-hmm. the major um, ethnic group in America, white people, are seeking to, um, to marginalize or seeking to subjugate black people and assimilate them into whiteness as being in some cases neo-colonialists of white uh, eurocentric idealisms Uh, and so you have a decree Mm -hmm. and they're trying to decrease awareness of the collective race and class issues decreased group mobilization that's where you have black people saying well i'm not african i'm american and so um uh just um part and mm-hmm. parcel of what is considered American culture. Um, and see, in the next one, you become homogenized, basically, Americanized in a sense of reproduction of what already is with white culture. And then they're trying to decrease group mobilization mm-hmm. and need for increased acceptance from mainstream. Uh, just like you see the white validation or the white gaze where you act in such a way where you consciously or subconsciously are doing things in the hopes of earning the acceptance of white America. And that's most likely evident at pre-encounter stage where you have issues of yep. assimilation, miseducation, and self-hate. Mm-hmm. But um, I know we said a lot, y'all. Yeah, we touched on a whole too. lot of information. Really it's good. been well over an hour. Uh, yeah, uh, hopefully it, it came out mm-hmm. uh, the way that we project and perceive that it did. Um, it may be a little spotty here and there because it's some times where uh, you kind of went out, Justin, but by and large, hopefully you'll get this information packaged in such a way to where you can have a comprehensive understanding and a basic outline of uh, formation of ideals, concepts, and ideologies mm-hmm. in relation to Black identity and what that looks like. And tune in for a part two. Um, I can't tell you exactly when that'll come, but hopefully 
you know, here soon uh, because uh, I enjoyed this process and I definitely get to this part too. Uh, where we'll be focusing on another right. identity model called the multi-dimensional mm-hmm. model of racial identity by, by Robert Sellers. So it's a little bit congruent to the identity model we discussed today mm-hmm. with the aggressive model with uh, Robert with uh, William E. Cross, but it's, it's a little bit different. And we'll be talking about some celebrities as well mm-hmm. that you know, like uh, uh, Priscilla Shuri, who's a well-known Black uh, preacher, uh, uh, actress as well. I think she made that that movie War Room, and she was famous for saying, I'm not a Black woman, I'm a, a Christian woman that happens to be Black. And the, the irony of she was trying to disconfirm one identity while mm-hmm. having preferential uh, treatment towards another, where you know that mm-hmm. I'm not a black woman, but then she turns around yeah. and says, "I'm a Christian," which, I, which is identity metric, and then mm-hmm. religion status, and then she says, right. "I'm a Christian woman," right? Woman's identity, right? So you see how you know, even with Christianity, which this is not what this probably episode is about, even with Christianity, sometimes it puts you in, in such a bubble to where you feel that it necessitates that you dissociate and denounce your blackness, but then you hold on to other identity metrics or scales that are seen as more mm-hmm. uh, acceptable, that seems as less offensive. I mean, so we'll talk about how she backtracked her statements in such a way. And we'll be talking about uh, Daniel uh, Kalua, uh, the star from Get Out, uh, Queen of Slim, um, and him basically saying, I- I'm Daniel, who just so happens to be black. And seeing the thread, the, the casual trend of blackness being happenstance or inadvertent uh, and something that you don't engage in and affirm with a certain pride. Uh, in allegiance, but gotcha. it's just um, it's just a happenstance. Like it was saying oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in some way. But anyway, I'll go off on a tangent on that. But in closing, I enjoyed this poly episode and hopefully y'all got some fruitful information and get a lot of listens and um um I, I for this to be the yeah, very first episode and we've gone course. well over an hour. This has been enjoyable. It's definitely been worth the wait because we you know we've been in the process of trying to figure everything out and so yeah, so to actually get to this point, this is a really huge accomplishment. For two years. And, uh, <laughs> this is something that I've enjoyed. I, I, I think, you know, for the first episode, um, it's really good. But once we once we get into other episodes and we really get into it and we really get to talking about what's going on in like popular culture and then we go back to these particular models and further advance them. Uh, I think this is this is going to be something. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm, I'm going I'm I, I'm. 100% positive I'm right. going to enjoy this. Right, right, exactly. And so I know the popular phrase is practice makes perfect, but I, mm-hmm. I like the remix of that that I borrowed from uh, Les Brown. Uh, practice makes improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll never be perfect, but it's our attempt to improve the model. And ho- hopefully in closing, this episode mm-hmm. embody uh, what I started out with, which was the word of the yes. day, commit new, which means no comedic language. Um, and so in, in closing, for me, mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed this episode and, and look forward to the next one. Obasi Yahim Amori saying Ashe. The exact same. Justin Cunningham here saying Ashe. And we will see you guys next time. And yeah. Blessings. Peace.